0: Well, you know what I think. Families, I think households need uh, some form of regular, regularly scheduled quarantine. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a certain recharge that whether you were on the side of "I believe it," "I get it," "I don't," "This is bullshit," "This is against my rights," I don't care who you are. Some point in the last ninety days, you've had time to reflect, and there's been positivity that's probably come out of that reflection, one way or another. So. There's certain value there. You know, maybe there's a reason why the span Spaniards are so happy all the time that siesta every day, you know, <laughs> as a society. You know, maybe we need to implement something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. The Cerebral Entertainment
1: podcast. Podcast, podcast,
2: podcast, podcast. Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. We're confident that you all are enjoying the additions to the CEP network, including raised on the radio featuring Patrick Blair and our very own Colt Brickado. And now Crusher cast featuring Joe Burrow. Colt and I are very fortunate and excited to welcome Joe as he brings us ordinary people with inspired lives to the network. Be sure to stay tuned to these two shows as well as the cerebral entertainment podcast and be on the lookout for more great content coming straight to your ear holes via the CEP network. Now for this episode, Colt and I sit with the one and only J.B. Anderson. J.B. is a small business owner, and he owns the phenomenal Gaslight Lounge and Studios in St. Louis, Missouri. During this episode, you will hear us discuss many of the complexities surrounding the coronavirus regarding small business. We discuss why some big box stores may be deemed too big to fail. And we talk about the music industry, sports, and society and politics in general. So, be sure to check out Gaslight on the social medias and at GaslightSTL.com, that's G-A-S-L-I-G-H-T-S-T-L.com. And of course, if you are in the St. Louis area, be sure to visit Gaslight at 4916 Shaw Avenue. So, without further introduction, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes sir. And with us on the line today, we are very excited to have Mr. J.B. Anderson. J.B., how's it going, up, sir? Folks?
0: It's going live from the basement.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> it's going good. Good, good. Are you straight out of quarantine? Are, are you out and are you doing stuff yet, or are we still hunkered down up there? Uh, I
0: think, no, nah, we're, we're still kind of in phase mode. <clears throat> we, uh, uh, I, luckily, I can do a lot of what... Gaslight needs done from home. Um, you know, we got three kids too, so we got to juggle the lack of uh, sports and camps and all that. You know, coming out of homeschooling. Uh, you know, my wife's able to work from home full time, so we've just settled in and <clears throat> kind of fallen into a, a pattern in our isolation, so to speak. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, for are, sure. Are you ready for things to get back to normal? Are you?
0: You know, uh, sure, absolutely. I mean, I'd love for, you know, businesses to be open and for free to be open. Um, You know, old people not to worry about walking out in public and the ability to see in-laws and, you know, all that sort of normalcy. Um, But on the flip side of it, I I can't complain. I I legitimately feel as if 90 days of reflection, forced reflection from home and engagement with family and, you know, I've been casually keeping track we're over like 170 meals in a row with at least three of our five people at the table so nice you know, that that doesn't happen in norm, normal bill. so you know there's there's been definitely some good that's come out of this as well
2: yeah i like how a lot of people are looking at the bright side of all this you know COVID 19 quarantining it's almost like the family has been forced to get back together as you put it yeah. at, the, at the dinner table, like it, figuratively and literally, we've been you know quarantined with those that we love by force, but it's really caused a lot of you know positive benefit. And even just, I know you've probably seen the pictures of like Los Angeles and and uh, Hong Kong where this the smog has just lifted because people aren't out polluting the planet. You know, um, not yeah. even yeah. It, not even trying to go the Greenpeace route or anything. But it's it's amazing. The, the positive changes that have happened because of a negative situation. Well, I think they're across the board. I, you know, you, you just
0: touched on it. You know, all those that are like anti-environmental uh, policies, etc., you know, that that are really more on the side of, you know, the science is bogus. Well, I mean, Mother Nature just proved it in the last 90 days. <laughs> it's later, you know. So there's something to that fossil fuel argument. <laughs> so... Uh, but I, but I do think that like business, businesses in particular, you know, if if they're not shifting, if they if you're not thinking about changing, you know, how you engage customers and how you make people feel comfortable, and uh, you know, and if you do have a product or some type of service, uh, you know, shippable service, if you're not figuring out e-commerce right now, um, you know, you're going to be left in the water. Covid, in my opinion, from a business standpoint, out of the gate, was really a, a stimulus to basically recharge. You know, you've been forced to reflect on what you do well, what you do poorly, what, what's profitable, what's not, what you can keep, what you need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I think there's an equal amount of good that will and can come out of this.
3: Yeah. So in, any of the businesses that you're involved in, have you had to make any major changes and have any of those changes b- have made such a good effect that you're going to keep those changes in place moving forward?
0: Well, it's, uh, the way you just phrased that is exactly how we've been thinking. Um, you know, March, I, what was it? March 17th or 18th, I believe it was like our first day. Like, okay, that's enough. It's coming. We'll shut down. Since that point, every dip and dodge that we've attempted or implemented, we really put a litmus test on it so much as, is this a good idea and will it last beyond COVID? You know, can we continue to do it? Will it be profitable? Will it be, you know, will customers want it? Um, We didn't want to jump the shark and just try and implement uh, short-term solutions that are just like, well, let's completely lean on the fact that COVID's here, you know? Because uh, I think that I was worried that could potentially a look bad, uh, b you know it might not be healthy for the business long term. So, mm. so we've really the changes that we've been implementing uh, are intended to to, to slingshot beyond a, a
2: total lifting a vaccine or what, whatever the impetus is to make things or consider things normal. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you hear it a lot. It's a catchphrase, and it's driving people kind of insane by now. But the new normal is—you know—a lot of people are shifting, as you said, shifting business. You almost have to think about the long term right now. And COVID nineteen and all the quarantining, all the the restructuring of the, the economy from a macro level to a more—you know—community level. Uh, it, it's forcing people to really think outside the box. And it's it's interesting how the tide is coming just like with the housing crisis. There are going to be some, some people who make it and some people who don't. And it's interesting to see who has the, I guess the wherewithal and the foresight to really think through this thing onto the other side. There are going to be some people who probably grow from, from this, this time, the shifting of the economy There's going to be some businesses that really begin to thrive because of the changes that come. Um, Yeah. I, I think that is, I think that's
0: absolutely inevitable. Um, uh, because I believe the other thing that COVID did is it, it forced a an immediate reflection on your business, in so much as really all the things that have not been working. Mm. You know, it was it, when it when it was coming down the pipe, and we knew that there was an expectation of service industry first being shut down. You know, right in line with pro sports and schools. You know, where there were obvious gatherings, but in the restaurant bar entertainment industry, you know, it was coming down the pipe. It wasn't a surprise. We Everybody saw that train coming for at least 15, 30 days plus. You know, And there were some that were on the, on the wagon way back in January. Um, the thing that surprised me, it was really shocking, was, I mean, it didn't take 48, 72 hours for some of these businesses just immediately out of the gate saying, we're done, we can't sustain this. So it told me that we were woefully unprepared as an industry with you know, financial protections and, you know, the safety net or savings. Um, it, it, it was astonishing how many industries really collapsed in, in literally no time. Mm. So that was scary because that's really more of a statement of, you know, everybody talks about how strong the economy is. Well, if businesses can't last one week without business, I don't know how strong the economy is. You know, so that was very, an aha moment for me like you know luckily we weren't in that boat we are prepared we're prepared to withstand a pretty long you know uh pause but the sheer numbers of companies that completely floundered day one that was scary
3: yeah. Hopefully all the businesses that did make it take this as a lesson and moving forward, you know, are more prepared in case something like this does happen because as you said, it didn't take very long for this whole thing to just be on top of us.
0: Yeah. You know, and it, the businesses that, you know, the idea of, you know, at a national, at a macro level, these businesses that were clamoring for essential status, um, it really highlighted how, uh, lazy and convenient we are as consumers because <laughs> Amazon and Walmart and Target, <clears throat> all of these like behemoths that small businesses and you know everybody that puts the hashtag support small business on their pages yet they have no problem with Amazon Prime. you know <laughs> the, What is really essential became like, oh my God, you know, as a small business, how much does you know the, the institution really not like me? Because I'm not essential, even though everybody tells me I am. Um, so it was, it was really, really weird to see that play out that way.
2: Yeah. Well, did you see the, it, at least it seems like a discrepancy to me, a uh, hypocrisy maybe even, when your big box stores, Walmart, you know, you're big, almost uh, like the banks, they're, they're too big to fail type of stores. Stayed open, but the small businesses were expected to shut down. Um, what what kind of what, what do you see there? Because my mind goes to you know wh- why what why did the, the big people get to stay open? The small guy had to had to shut down. Um, it begs a lot of questions for me.
0: Well, I think that you know at the end of the day, it, economics. You know, there has to be the the primary decision making process as to you know why governments and municipalities you know, choose who can and who can't stay open and they lean into a Walmart. Right. Um, you know, if, if you step back kind of, of objectively, if I'm arguing on behalf of the big boxes and clearly I'm not a big box, nor do I, you know, I shop them, but I don't support them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but if I'm if, I, if I'm defending them, employ way more people, have way more infrastructure, so much better prepared to handle you know, shipping issues. Um, you know, there's at least a a, a a what should be a consistent procedure or some order in how they operate that can be spread out. Because small businesses, you know, if they imagine all these health uh, s- stipulations were put into place, I mean, I know a lot of small business owners, and you know, their floors are not that clean. <laughs> yeah, so expecting them to go above and beyond, you know, there was some uh you know, lack of control really. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know it, keeping the, the big boxes open also it, it's about their stock price. Mm. you know you, you don't think about the the value that a Walmart and Amazon and Apple and all these companies, their their safety net, their their kind of uh, layer of protection that nobody really wants to admit is their role in pension plans in 401k plans. You know, there's such a large percentage of so many retirement funds. You have to look at these macro businesses too, too large to fail because if they do, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that might be Samsung lovers that have Apple stock as a big portion of their pension or 401k. So there's that side of the equation too. You let those big industries cr- start crumbling. The effect that it has on the financial markets you know that's every that's virtually everybody is invested they just don't realize it you know for the most
3: part Yeah. so with a lot of the loss that some of these small businesses will be taking anyways it seems like a lot of small businesses are better off to be shut down because you would think that they're spending more money to be open in general right
0: yeah especially in the restaurant industry service industry you know is you know when you think about well you got everybody shops everybody's going to the grocery store you guys have seen it the price of just simple Uh, ground beef, you know, it's, it's skyrocketing. Milk is skyrocketing, you know, but most restaurants and bars, they have the same menu they had two, three years ago. Right. So, you know, the service industry is really hand tied the majority of the time when it comes to pricing, because people that eat out a lot, we are so cognizant of that, you know, 699 burger versus that 1099 burger. We know who, where, what, and if you go in one day and it's eleven ninety nine and seven ninety nine, it's like, oh my god, you're you know, you're raising your prices. I can't afford to pay feed my family. Well, you know, they're passing along a tenth of what the food costs have been shooting up over the last, you know, 24, 36 months. Um, it's it's hard because what's happened to the marketplace? Everybody's going to have to figure out where is the consumer's comfort level? Not only engaging and coming in from a physical standpoint, but from an economic standpoint, it's inevitable that the prices of things are going to go up. It's just how much. <clears throat> Excuse me.
2: Yeah, that's what I wonder. You know, there's still talks here and there of a second round of stimulus in the, <clears throat> in the economy. And um, I think I get the overall, you know, concept of the stimulus and what you know what it's meant to do how it's supposed to stimulate our our economy which also is different from the stock market we've got to be able to separate those two especially coming up in the elections because you're going to hear a lot about the stock market this stock market that that's different than my everyday life the stock market you know it has something to do with my retirement funds things like that but in my everyday life what what matters to me is the price of beef the price of milk you know that that, those are those are where it's actually going to hit hit home but what do you think about another round of stimulus? Uh, and give us kind of a, a rundown of what you think about the stimulus, a second round, yeah. and, and so forth.
0: Well, I'm, so I'm a huge fan of uh, Mark Cuban <clears throat> from Shark Tank. Everything else, I follow him on Twitter, and he he was part of the uh, advisory panel that came in prior to the first round of stimulus. You know, some industry players came in. You know, because he's got such bigly people around him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, But Cuban, his opinion of stimulus and what PPP was, how it was implemented and and frankly, how it failed in his his eyes. And I agree with him. You know, he got into talking about the potential of next round of stimulus. And he was like, you know, you you have to go bottom up. Um, And I'm I'm completely in agreement with this um, in that. We as citizens, uh, Americans in general, we don't save. We just prove that with how quickly so many businesses and households really went under mm. once they were shelved. We're spenders. And an economy is really based upon jobs and services and, and that exchange of the two that creates stability. So the idea of a next round, like what can they do differently? Well, the first round, it, it, it was this really horrible process to apply for these loans and it wasn't easy. And if you had a large bank like I do, a U.S. bank, it could never get a person, could never get a human on the line because the volume of requests were so high and it was convoluted and there was all these like stupid little math equations as to what percentage you have to spend on labor and this and that and how much would be forgiven. I mean... The, the, the people winning in the first round of PPP were banks and accountants because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to figure it all out for a fee, right? Right. So I, I think it's as simple as we, we have traits and habits within our society and within our economy that we know are true, and that is we don't save, we spend. So if they are to pass the second round, just quit dicking around, put money in people's pockets, let them spend it. That spending will at least in the short term keep services moving, uh, keep gas in the gas tank, things like that. Um, But, you know, as far as its effectiveness, you know, the thing that one way they could really help is go to the lending, go to the mortgage industry and just universally if you're going to fund big business, big businesses or companies from the top down, go to the banking industry and get every single mortgage, every single rent, you know, roll that's on paper and say, look, time out. We're going to pay these notes or the interest or waive the cost, whatever it is, for six months. I mean, if you could give every household in America six months of mortgage or rent relief, I mean, that's exponentially better than you know, a $2,000 check, you know, right. which is the, obviously the math is bigger, you know, and there's, there's validity with that argument too, because there's a lot of households that have multiple people that were receiving all those checks.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: a lot of that would start to wash itself out. And if you're going to give the American public uh, a boost, um, because obviously all this is being funded on, you know, our ability to pay those loans back via taxes and bonds, you know, just stop my overhead. If you stop my overhead, I can operate. You know, I'll go buy the food. I'll buy the gas. I'll go to work. Just let me, you know, not pay him. No.
3: Right. No. We we have a friend in the in the brew. I guess you could say the brewing industry, who was in a situation where. He, he he was looking towards the future and it's a possibility that he wasn't going to make it out of this. And he, yeah. could, he couldn't he could even get his, the owner of his building to give him a couple of months of not paying the rent on the place. And that, the owner of the place basically told him, you know, if you need money, go get another, go get a loan. And he's like, so yeah. what you're telling me is, I'm I, it's a possibility I'm going to lose this place anyways and you want me to go further in debt before I do that? That makes no sense.
0: Yeah, you know, and it, it's... It, it's a horrible interaction that probably happened a million times around across our, you know, communities, you know, at the same time that building owner probably had a really nasty conversation with his bank who the bank said, go pound sand. Right. So here now you all these uh, investment, uh, real estate investment individuals that have rent as their income, you know, it, it's a domino effect is who, who do you really blame? You know, right. At the end of the day. My biggest issue is if the federal government is going to bail out or fund these macro institutions like in 08, 09, right? right? Uh, in this pass, you, you fund somebody that actually can do something for me. Don't just save a company for the sake of saving the company. You know, go to the banks. Just pay the interest because that's where they get paid anyway. So, you know. The, households need simple relief we don't need some pythagorean
3: theorem uh to figure out how to you know funnel these tax credits through or whatever it is so right but it kind of goes back to what you were saying as far as we don't save and these businesses hopefully they take a, a lesson and you know start at least having a couple of months worth of savings in you know ready to go just in case something like this happens again
0: yeah you know i you know this this conversation go into a million different directions. I mean, because what, again, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of COVID I, I was actually okay with it from a reflection and evaluation standpoint. And you know, what, what we're talking about right now is exactly that like these businesses, you know, how, how do you, how do you find savings? Well, you have to cover all your overhead first and then you have to cover some wages and then you have to, you know, maybe improve the TVs or whatever you're doing
3: within the space. And, and then insurance and everything else. So every
0: single aspect of the machine needs to be evaluated uh, because costs across the board are continually going up when it comes to inventory and insurance and overhead. So if businesses are expected to be pillars of society with the ability to you know pay two months wages or three months wages in the event of catastrophe, well, it's going to take legislation to help that because right now industry is gobbling up all the margin that any business generates. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, overall, isn't our economy based on growth? If you're not growing, you're basically dying. doesn't mean that you can stay in one spot and just, and just bank on and save some money. You have to be growing and in order to grow. You got to be spending money. Right. And so that to <laughs> me, that makes it kind of a, kind of a, you're spinning your wheels. If, if you're, if you're trying to save, because you really got to spend to grow. Yeah, you know, and this is where macro corporations just have,
0: you know, a head start like no other. And that is when you look at the merger and acquisition marketplace, you know, if you to grow, you know, the definition of growth can be defined as unit sales. Uh, But more importantly, in my eyes, your growth is margin. You know, if you can you want to make money, you want to grow how much money you make. Right. When two macro companies merge, you don't need two accountants anymore. You know, so the way that they had, they can beat us to the punches through growth or acquisition. They simply reduce their overhead, you know, in smaller percentages. And small businesses do not have that luxury. So to grow, you either have to raise your prices or find new customers, and, and the cost of acquisition is exceptionally high. You know, in, in marketing, etc. When your marketing budget can't keep pace with your with your workman's comp coverage you're screwed right. because at some point you're going to have an inverse curve
2: mm-hmm. so. yeah speaking of, of prices uh inflation you know that's a, another thing it seems like well of course we've been printing money out of thin air as, as a country for a while now we lost the gold right. standard you know some time ago but um it seems to me like this the stimulus could in fact just raise the prices of everything and i wonder you know once again is that going to be kind of counterproductive if we just stimulate the economy now and kick the can down the road and got to pay the bill later.
0: Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of noise in in that speculation uh, that we none of us really have been very good at figuring out. And that is the effect of really we're in a global marketplace, you know, so as long as you have a global recession. Right. We fear we fear inflation and, you know, we're just going to print money and costs are going to go up Well, the problem. What's keeping that artificially low and where inflation, in my opinion, hasn't occurred. You know, you look at the the widgets and everything that's in our phones and everything else. If it's a if it's a global recession, well, then the supply and demand, you know, from the labor standpoint in Asia and other markets like that, the price, their wages are already horrifically low, but they're going lower because it's a global recession. So it, it all is moving like this. So we're not in that really wicked. Uh, peaks and valleys of an isolated economy anymore. We're more on like an ocean swell, you know, from a global standpoint. So that's why the the main reason why I don't really fear inflation. What I fear more than anything is if the Fed starts to move interest rates. Um, you know, is I've argued for, well, it's going to be almost 12 years now, you know, whenever the market started running under Obama, like it's it's not obama it's not policies it's not trump it's not his policies that's running the market it's the fed making money cheap for families and businesses to borrow and loan and refi i mean you guys are homeowners i mean it's been a windfall of money for any homeowner capable of you know refinancing almost every nine to twelve months yeah you know and if it's that effective That are hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollar home value across the board in Middle America. Imagine the value of cheap money on a multi billion dollar business that is throwing up warehouses, i.e., Amazon. You know, it's cheap to acquire it, and it's cheap to pay it back. So as long as money's cheap, that's that's the primary safety net, in my opinion, to make sure that the economy just doesn't tank Mm. because. You know, you think about my parents, you know, when they were buying our home in the you know early 80s, they were ecstatic that they could get an eight and a half percent loan. That was coming down off the 10, 11, 12 percent realm of the late 70s. Yeah. Imagine if every home in America jumped to seven and a half percent right now. Right. So interest rates keep it low. Mm.
2: So as a, as a business owner... What are the next steps for you in you know, opening back up, and, and how what, you know what kind of steps you're going to take to kind of just uh, reinvigorate your business when everything truly does open up across the board?
0: Well, you know, obviously, uh, Gaslight. We've got two components to what we do um, that create the brand. What is Gaslight? It's a studio and bar, but then each of those components has different necessities uh, coming out of or living here in the COVID world, you know, the restaurant and bar is ran and managed by, uh, Joseph Magala from gastro pit. Um, so I work with them so that we can figure out, you know, we had to eliminate 75% of our tables and chairs. So, you know, bars and restaurants, they, they work on maybe a negative 1% margin. <laughs> so if you take out, you know, 75% head count or capacity, you know, it's, you immediately had to think outside the box or really hammer on carry on delivery yeah. and joe you know barbecue is simple barbecue is something that is easily deliverable it travels well it gets better as it sits in its steam, right? So uh, it, there was good demand there, We're really focusing on the ordering process, uh, making it easier for the customers, you know, through the interface. Those kind of things are what we focused on on the restaurant and bar side. How do we keep people feeling comfortable? How do we keep the food moving? And then on Friday nights, we decided with the studio's assistance, we put an artist up on the roof on our parking lot side, closed the parking lot off, move the tables out, old school beetle style rooftop concert right um and it, it allows people to sit outside with space order food and drink and listen to music you know things that have been unattainable for the last 60 90 days um and it's been extremely well received and you know again that's something that post covid was an idea that we feel can continue you know that's you know, just like with the delivery, the delivery app, people again, consumers, they're not coming back anytime soon. You know, this is, this is very, very similar to what happened to travelers like myself on nine twelve. You know, you never went into an airport the same. You never look at a low flying plane in an urban environment, the same. And I think COVID is going to do that to a lot of people at concerts and restaurants in particular sporting events, when you're sitting in the chair, like oh my god he's got a runny nose am I gonna die you know
1: it's, <laughs> yeah
0: and it's it's just human it's human nature to to be conditioned after large scale events like that yeah
2: yeah it's kind oh. of a kind of a collective a collective traumatizing event you know yeah. and nine eleven is is a. Although this is on a larger scale because the entire world is kind of in this together. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what color you are, your, your cultural background, doesn't matter. You can get COVID-19. It doesn't, it's not a respect of, 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 of any people, um, not a respecter of persons. But uh, it is a, a traumatizing event that's definitely going to change everything that we know about the world. Uh, And it's gonna be some good, some bad. I I I see a meme, and it's it's a it's a funny meme, meant to be funny, but it's very true. It it talks about, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but so all these meetings really could have been done by email, basically, is what it's saying. Because we're doing just fine with the teleconferencing. Zoom has has you know Zoom and Skype and all of your you know media like that. How we're communicating now has just exploded. Um, a lot of different changes uh, some for the better, some for the worse but like this is our new normal and, and once again that's a catchphrase but we are venturing into a time that's it's, it's always going to be different than what it was before I don't think we're ever going to get back to the same thing uh, yeah, business is I, I definitely think, no exception
0: yeah and I think especially when it comes to um, communication, entertainment content management in particular uh, our cell phones our reliance upon our cell phones for, for data, for news, for email, for everything. And, and the, the, the most telling is the the fire sticks and, you know, everything that everybody's using at home. There's no more dish TV for the most part, you know, people are using digital, you know, internet based options. Yeah. And, you know, I really paid attention to what happened with the release of trolls Two early in, uh, early in isolation or COVID where, um, the movie house decided they were going to go ahead and release trolls Two. brand new release was supposed to be in theaters and they dropped it on as a 1999, you know, here's your ticket. You know, you get to watch it. We don't care if there's 20 people in your living room. You know, they, they, they put it out on pay-per-view and it crushed. The split was so much higher for direct to Netflix or direct to whatever the, you know, the streaming service is. You know, I believe it's like 75-25, where the movie house gets 75% of revenue, and then the streamer gets 25%. Well, AMC Theaters, their standard clause with Paramount or any of the other movie houses is 50-50 for the ticket sales, but all the concession and everything else is retained by AMC. Mm. And where I'm going with this is, you know, I listen to uh, investing podcasts a lot in the morning, and I listen to the CEO of AMC get so pissed off and basically threatened to not put Paramount movies in his theaters anymore or whoever it was. And it was such an insane statement that what I, what really struck me was consumer habit, you know, that, that rollout of trolls 2 just told the entire movie industry, you can make more money if you just release it direct to pay-per-view, forget the theater, forget the, you know, there's movie theaters are never going to go away. Likely, but they will become much less necessary you know cuz the the entertainment and consumption is being driven through our small devices and you know these 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 big entertainment complexes need to take note cuz again going back to the 911 912 analogy there's a lot of soccer moms that are not going to be taking their three kids into movie theaters <laughs> you know 6 months 12 months 18 months down the road there's going to be hesitation yeah.
3: Right. Well sp- speaking of entertainment, what's your thoughts on sports in general and coming back when should they be coming back? Should they at least wait until next season? You know, what what's your overall thought? Well,
0: uh, you know, it's again the economics come into play. You know, you look at these the, uh, the amount of revenue uh, that sports generates for local economies for, you know, the owners, for the venues and you know, these players salaries are astronomical, right? Um it's a big, big, big business, um, and the other thing about sports too. Why I'm really surprised they're rushing back, but I understand it is kind of that uh, the emotional effect that 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 thing that as a sports fan, you know, with go sixty days with ping pong on ESPN three <laughs> or whatever, and then there's an NBA game, and I don't even like the NBA, right? But if there's a basketball game on right now, I'm watching it right because it's just live it's real it's it's sport right
3: Mm
0: -hmm. so you know that kind of uh group culture placebo that is your team playing again i i there's some value in that you know now how they're doing it with you know because i'm obviously i'm a big soccer fan i was watching some of the epl games started this week the english first division and they're pumping in sound and the players are like a diamond shaped five seats away from each other. And it's just weird, you know, but it's still sport. So, yeah,
3: I was actually, it, I, I was sitting at a uh, main and mill brewery last night and there was a TV above me and I kind of looked every once in a while and I thought they were just playing like an older, a replay game of something. And then after about 10 minutes or so, I started really watching it. And no, this was actually basketball players who are playing a video game of basketball against each yeah. other. Yeah. And I was like, I, I know that Twitch is a huge thing and I understand that people like watching that. But it was just so weird to, to me. I'm like, so we can't have basketball. So we're having basketball players play basketball against each other virtually. It was crazy. No,
0: man. It's uh, what was that? That Fortnite uh, VR concert that had... Um Oh my god! Drawing a blank. Anyway, there was like 50 million people did the pay per view, the Fortnite show because it was a virtual concert, and you know it's it was just an insane number. And you know you talk about people willing to watch basketball players play NBA Two K or whatever the game is. Right. I, it, that's. That, that's the market telling us what consumers want. Now, we they were forced into need because that's, to a degree, the only option in this crazy time. But prior to that, you know, I, I have three kids that go on YouTube and they watch YouTube videos of how gamers playing a game. It's like, and they have the game box right next to the TV that they're watching somebody else play the game. And it's like, I never understood that. And, you know, it's... Uh, the the joke or the meme that I saw is like a kid, you know, a parent saying, "Why do you watch somebody play a game when you have a game?" And and he goes, "Well, Dad, why do you watch cars go in a circle when you can drive?" <laughs> <laughs> Touche. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I think that like it's digital digital consumption, the streaming, um, just the the amount of minutes in a day that youth watch YouTube. Uh, is just as as a provider of entertainment and services, I pay attention to kids a lot, you know, because it's like, okay, you know, if, for example, like when we consult with an artist right now, that right in the middle of all the social media conversation is, hey, are you on TikTok? <laughs> and they're always like, oh, that's so cheesy. I'm like, it's the fastest growing platform, period. It right. only 16 seconds a day. That's all you need, you know. Um So it's it's weird because most most industries I don't most industries that individuals are in, if you really just sit back every now and then and pay attention, the market will tell you what it likes, what it wants, Uh, and and businesses that are doing things like that, uh, they're the ones that are going to survive. You know, as opposed to just selling features and benefits all day when people don't give a shit about your feature or benefit. They want to like you and then they'll do business with you. So you know. I, so
3: what you're saying is every once in a while, we need a good quarantine to show people <laughs> what we I, yeah. really need and what the market wants.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know what? I think families, I think households need, uh, some form of regular, regularly scheduled quarantine. Um, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. it, it, there's a certain recharge that whether you were on the side of I believe it, I get it, I don't, this is bullshit, this is against my rights. what I don't care who you are. Some point in the last ninety days, you've had time to reflect, and there's been positivity that's probably come out of that reflection, one way or another. So there's certain value there. You know, maybe there's a reason why the Span Spaniards are so happy all the time that siesta every day. You know, as <laughs> a society. Maybe we need to implement something like that,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah, One thing that came to my mind uh, before we move on, have you guys heard about the Garth Brooks concert that he's going to, I guess, broadcast it live to all the drive-in movie theaters? And apparently people are going crazy. They're going crazy over this, wanting to get tickets to see this thing. Uh, yeah, kind of surprises me a little bit. I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's a little different than because I've also heard of the concept of the drive-in uh, concert. You you, know, you have the band on stage, yeah, and you just drive up and you watch the concert from your vehicle. Um, yeah, it, it's it's, it's a crazy I shift.
0: So. Yeah, I went to one of the first nights up there at that powerplex, the uh, drive-in STL. Uh, friends were doing some of the production there. And they were like, yeah, come, check it out. We want to see, you know, we want to get everybody's feedback. And, you know, I didn't even, I didn't know the names of the bands. Um, I, I, Frankly, I didn't have any interest. Um, you know, I was like, well, we'll take our own cooler. We got our chairs. That's easy. That's good. How close are we going to be parked to everybody? You know, because wife and kids were a little anxious about, we don't want to be right up on top of other people and. We get there and the car spacing was fine. Everybody felt comfortable getting out, and and the bands were horrible. <laughs> it was, you know, the food was non-existent. It was dipping dots and stale popcorn. Like, whoa, yeah, great. Um, but I, what what amazed me was how comfortable I felt, how good I felt just to be outside, just to hear music coming from a PA. Sitting outside, there's an LED wall. I got my cooler. Uh, it was it was kind of nice. Um, so I think that the drive-in concerts, because we, we were really close to kicking one off over the fourth, a, a pretty big one that would have been over at the racetrack. And then, you know, a lot of, lot of things happened in the last three weeks that forced us to say, no, you know, let's not do it. But we were very, very confident that people were going to come. They would spend good money to come um, and, simply because what else can anybody do right now? You know, there are no options, there are no tours, there are no venues, there's no sporting events you can go to. So driving concerts as cheesy as they sounded out of the gate, having gone to one and then planning one, it's just really, again, getting over ego of what it might look like. This is what people want. They want to get out, they'll do it. Because you know, I think the Garth Brooks situation it
3: basically breaks down that if you got four people in a car, it's like, 35 bucks for the show or 25 bucks i think I think it's a like. hundred dollars per car yeah
0: yeah so 25 bucks a head right for yeah. four people car to drive up to a location with garth brooks and the screens or whatever i mean that's that's cheap you yeah. know we, we spend way more on stupid shit going to local pubs you know sliding pucks you know you drop more than 25 bucks in a game like that of an evening yeah. so right yeah
1: anyway
2: Yep, it's interesting. You, you mentioned um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. You mentioned people who think the quarantine is complete BS versus the other side of that continuum. Uh, I want to talk about the politics here in just a moment, but on a personal level, mm-hmm. how, what, do, what do you feel about opening up, people reintegrating back into you know the, I guess normal, semi-normal society, um, out of coming out of quarantine? You feel like it's too soon? Is there any, any part of you that th- kind of felt like this was exaggerated you know no sporting events no concerts no nothing uh, did we go too but far
0: I, you know i i tend to fall right in the middle of switzerland of the, on this one um uh i do think it's real uh do i think it was overblown maybe uh is it can we say that quarantining didn't work no because we did shut down sporting events disney world you know all these massive places Were shut down virtually immediately. I mean, just general human interaction was cut back. Um, You know, some argue too late. Others argue, you know, obviously too soon. Should never have happened. Um, But I think that the biggest issue politically uh, out of the gate on this was just a lack of acceptance, uh, definitive acceptance, one way or the other. We lived in this uh, if, then, maybe. Environment for months, you know. Whenever you know, global reports were coming out, because if China is telling you fifty thousand people are infected, uh, that the thing that immediately popped into my mind was that's a communist nation that doesn't like free flow of information. If they're admitting to fifty, is it five hundred thousand? Is it a million? You know there's two billion people there that live in close confines and in many times third world environments. Um, so so out of the gate, I kind of knew it to be true. I mean, again, if a, if a nation like China and Iran early on when you have two totalitarian governments that are you know squash people's rights, admitting that their citizens are infected and dying, it was bad. So, Um, dragging our feet, uh, denying it, you know, and and this is clearly coming from the Oval Office first, you know, denying its threat, uh, waiting for the sun to cook it and all these other things, just a bad flu. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's been proven to be more. Uh, Is it the extreme that everybody's like, oh my God, you need to put a, put yourself in your house, put a bubble around it. Don't go out for, Uh, that's crazy too, because I mean, we're humans. We 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 have to interact at some level. So I, I think because of our political division uh, and the lack of uh, guts to make a definitive call early on, I think that's what made this worse. Because everybody turned this into a social media uh, tug of war as opposed to a medical one. You know, a you know how can we. How can we come up with solutions as opposed to the assigning blame? You know, that's that's what I feel out of the gate. Yeah.
3: So where things get fun is how do you think Trump has handled all of this so far?
0: I think he's shit the bed. And I think polling numbers are proving it. I think his misunderstanding of the true economy relying upon uh, you know, 3% unemployment is a tremendous number, except when you ask people that are actually employed that can't afford to live, you know, and the amount of millions of people that were just not even capable of applying for unemployment, so they didn't ever even register. You know, um, I think he he, he, he makes everything blue. And I get it. I get it that that's what got him in this position. That's what is the party, for the most part, appears to want. You know and Democrats are no different I mean everything is political everything's about optics Um, whether it's Trump holding a Bible outside a gas church or Pelosi and crew putting on African scarves and kneeling for the pictures Um, it's all bullshit Um, but he's the president he should be held to a higher standard he is the leader of our country he's arguably should be the leader or the guide for the free world right well that's not what he's doing that's not what he did uh, it's always assigning blame or pushing off, uh, uh, the responsibility of the results or the numbers. Um, you know, when he started taking aim at California and New York, um, you y- look at the numbers we've got, we got roughly a 20 trillion economy. Those two states account for almost 4.7 trillion of it. <laughs> so, so don't belittle them, you know, um. It's it's just very frustrating as a lover of politics, as a small business owner, as what I would consider to be a prototypical American. You know, I I want my own business and all these other things. It sucks seeing him on the podium and hearing him talk. It's embarrassing that that is what is representing. You know, kind of who we should be or what we stand for because it's not hopeful to listen to him talk. It's it's smoke and mirrors at virtually every press conference, and it's just it's debilitating, in my opinion, at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I, th- I think Trump needed everything during his term to just go a- as planned, business as usual, and he probably would have slid right into reelection, especially versus a candidate like Joe Biden, my opinion. Yeah. But now, with yeah. w- w- with all of the the mishandling of all of the crises that he's had to deal with throughout this. Um, I think it's actually going to be a race now. I think Joe Biden actually has a chance to to take Trump out, and I wouldn't have before.
0: Yeah, no, I was, uh, uh, you know, two years into his first term, and even up until, you know, going through the Democratic primary, um, you know, I, I did not see a path to victory for uh, the blue team, so to speak, um, just, just based on fundamentals, based on um, – You know, how divided we are and were, um, you know, but the collapse in the job market in particular, um, the the chaos in the stock market um, cost of beef. You know, this is this goes back to James Carville, right from Clinton days. It's it's about the economy, stupid. Yeah. Um, And Trump is he doesn't understand the economy. He doesn't understand the stability that we need specifically middle America and predominantly in the, in the rust belt Midwest, you know, we do pay attention to character. We want our pocketbooks to be taken care of first, but right now he's, he's losing people on a lot of fronts. Uh, and I think Joe Biden's absence from public sphere for the most part is a smart move. Mm. Uh, Trump is continually digging his hole. Um, and Biden, I mean, None of us love him. You know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. I've voted probably equally since 1992. Um, Biden is not inspiring, but he's not Trump. Right. Um, <laughs> that is going to be his bumper sticker for the next four months. Plus, you know, I'm not Trump. That's all he has to say. Right. And I think he'll do well. Because um, a lot of these swing states, you know, the state that I'm really paying attention to right now is Kentucky and uh, mcconnell's on the ropes he's down in the polls there uh to that amy mcgrath i think's her name running for senate Mm. um you, you know when you think about the leader of the senate in trouble in a red state from a female you know progressive vet that's telling you know that's that's like you know, you know, New York's going to go blue. Illinois is going to go blue. Um, California's blue. You know those things. Kentucky, though, <laughs> that's that's not a blue country. You know? <laughs> and it's turning blue, which I think that's that says a lot about who we are right now as a society and how I think Trump has lost the majority of kind of the conservative middle um, just because they can't take the personality at this point. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's too much. And I I completely agree. I think all Joe that uh, Biden needs to do is stay out of his own way. Just don't get out there and say something stupid or do something stupid. Let Trump do his thing and just kind of sit back in the wings. And and I I think he'll probably slide into into the election with uh,
3: good numbers, if not a full out win. Let Trump sink his own ship and then look at the mistakes that he's making and. Do yeah, the opposite. I mean, <laughs>
0: you know, yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, like Biden's camp, what can they point out? That, you know, uh, the Supreme Court just this past week, right? Those rulings were clearly more centrist, centrist left. Yeah. And he comes out, you know, saying that he doesn't believe in the Supreme Court. Those are your appointees. Are you What are you sorry now that they're actually abiding by the law and constitutional principles? You know, shame on you. You know, so between that daca um there's no wall uh the economy is tanked uh joblessness is at a what 20 25 year high something like that um you know what's great again you know when you look at the fundamental things that are occurring we hate each other as a society jobs are gone growth is questionable ground beef keeps going up there's no wall you know i mean China hates us, Europe hates us. <laughs> I mean, where are we winning? You know, it's that it's it's that simple. If I'm if I'm on the left and I'm trying to stay on point, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot and go after, you know, 32 social platforms and fund healthcare and education and all these other things and reparations and all that. You you that's just it's unnecessary. You can work into those things only if you win. So don't give anybody a reason to draw an invisible line that doesn't it doesn't matter, you
3: know. Right. I don't know if it's I mean, possible to envision it or not, but without the pandemic, do you think you'd be you'd be saying the same thing about Trump right now?
0: No, I wouldn't be. I would I would be predicting his victory, uh, and I think it'd be based upon false metrics. And that being, he his policies did not improve our economy. They made certain people richer. They made things maybe a little bit more liquid for a little bit, but we had no stability. It was proven. Um, you know the the business industry, industry giants. I mean, they're not they're not fans of what he's doing. So, um, but if it wouldn't have occurred, we would have still probably been under four. From an unemployment standpoint, and all the numbers on those sheets would look good on paper, but they wouldn't reflect what's really going on. The American public doesn't really chew on that. And the funny thing is so much of his base, it's like record low unemployment, you know, as they are the same people having problems paying their mortgage and their car payments and the tuition payments. And God forbid they go in the hospital, then they're fucked. But unemployment's under four. Trump did that. (laughs) You know, it's... It's all smoke and mirrors.
2: Yeah. So. And, and it's it's totally a team sport, too. And it still amazes me to this day. Also, it's funny that you mentioned the wall. You know, I had forgotten all about the wall. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I forgot all about the
3: wall. <laughs> that was the thing. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And <laughs> going to pay for it. But um, it, it, it still amazes me how much of a team sport politics is for so many people. Right. Yeah. And I like that you have an independent mind. I like to, you know, I, I, I fancy myself the same. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, put myself in either camp or any camp for that matter. I want to be able to make my decision, you know, on an individual basis. But even with a, you know, for one thing, uh, global warming, you know, it amazes me. You know, I've always said, you know, pollution bad, Earth is is good. You know, can we just agree on that? You know, aside from you know any kind of carbon taxes or any other kind of you know interventions or measures you want to put in place to try to to help things out, but it's so politically divided coronavirus also divided it amazes me colt and i have talked about this it's like more on the conservative side you got more of the naysayers the conspiracy you know minded people um whereas on the other side of the aisle the people are falling in line wearing masks doing what they're supposed to be doing i just don't understand how something like that could be so politically divided in this country it's it's such a team sport
0: yeah i mean the the Mm -hmm. mask (laughs) <laughs> the The optics of a mask and how it's become kind of a symbol of your political loyalty is really an indication of just how fucked up we are. Because if you truly believe by wearing a mask, you are foregoing your conservative principles and your independence and all that, in spite of the fact that all it's doing is keeping your fucking snot in your face. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, OK, we've jumped a shark. You know, and, and again, I, I blame one person. I blame the guy at the top and, you know, because that's their job. You are the president. You are the one that sets the tone for how the the, the, the parties should be engaging. And if the leader of the party is combative at every turn, it's no secret and no surprise that the Democrats have 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 fallen into this lemming mentality as well and they're all like coalescing and making everything about an arm wrestling match while we all in the middle are businesses we lose so yeah do you know it's 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 disheartening you know because i have i have a 14 year old 11 year old and six year old and 14 year old 15 year old just turned 15 um I watch the news a lot and I find myself regularly when he walks in the room, I turn it off. Like, I'm so embarrassed by the narrative and the, the 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 vitriol that I I'm afraid to allow my 15-year-old kid who's got a driver's permit now, right, to engage or listen to his president, you know? And I'm not doing it because... I'm a Democrat, you know, don't listen to the Republican. That's not why at all. That's that so far from the truth. It's, I don't want my 15-year-old to listen to his narrative, his cadence, his, his horrible grammar and all these other things, right? I don't want my son to pay attention to the president because I think he's a shitty person. You know, that just, just like you would with a neighbor. If you got that neighbor who's just a jackass, you're like, come on, kid, stay away from him. That's how all we are
2: with the TV, <laughs> right? With, with the president of the United States, he's the neighbor you you want to hide from your kids. <laughs> yeah, he's,
0: he's, he's your cousin Eddie. Where you like, well,
2: you're yeah. right. Uh, I, I think you know. In my opinion, one of the only things that can save us from this this political environment, this this system that's been uh, growing and, and rearing its ugly head, is if the independent, middle, centrist base grows we need more people that just kind of I don't know get get out of the the us versus them mentality and start just you know working for us and so we, we've got to try to grow that concept somehow otherwise they're just going to keep playing us off of each other and it the, the outcomes aren't good
0: yeah it's, it's that that was why early in the, the primary process on the Democratic side I, w- I was a mayor Pete fan. He was my guy. Yeah. I I heard him speak over a year prior. I saw a couple YouTube clips. And I'm like, Jesus, this dude is just, I like listening to him talk. And he talks about a need. And instead of jumping all the way up there like, you know, uh, uh, Bernie, eh, tax the rich, right? Let's get there. He was like, okay, here's our need. But we need to talk to these people to get to this step. And then we need to move it to this step. And it was like a pragmatic Uh, style of how he delivered his policy and in my mind that's what I want my president to be him him or her I want them to be able to this is what we need as a nation this is the path I believe we should try but what do you want how can we work towards this Um, you know it was almost like an old school Ross Perot style where you know I'm going to explain this to you simply you know and put it on a whiteboard here's how you're going to make more money Right. Um, that's what we need. We need somebody with an idea. Like, that's why I love Mark Cuban and, and Jack Dorsey. Right. The two of them right now, what they have been and how they've been communicating on Twitter in particular. it it's just seems like all practical solutions, you know, and our leaders in government right now. I don't hear ideas. I hear policy, but I don't hear any path to the policy left or right um, and that's insulting because we as citizens we want to see things move we don't like deadlock you know I hate executive orders you know and in, in, in the past 15 20 years they have been bastardized to the point where well, what's the point of having a legislature if the executive is just going to executive order everything left and right you know that's and people don't pay attention to that obama was horrible at it trump has just been diabolical with it i mean it's what's the point of congress if we allow leaders to just do you know i i I, it's it's scary we need somebody that's inspiring in my opinion
2: yeah yeah i agree and and the executive orders of course they've been going on forever obviously but it, it takes the, the balance out of the checks and balances, you know, to that degree. Like you said, what's the point of having a legislature if you just got one guy kind of pulling all the levers? But,
0: well, when they, when they I think it was in two, 2002, 2003, I forgot who the senator was, where they passed the, the simple majority where they got away from a two thirds rule mm. as a precedence. You know, two thirds, our forefathers were extremely freaking smart. You know, two-thirds in a two-party system always meant that you would have some members of the opposite party in conjunction agreeing to move policy forward so that it was never totalitarian. Moving to a, to a simple majority, a 51-vote rule, you lose that. You lost the need to negotiate, you know. So we ruined our own system by, you know, ex- accelerating the two-party power structure in Congress that much more. You know, those those 13 votes, if they would have been kept in place to pass things, um, I think we would have a different nation today by far. Mm.
2: JB, we are coming up over an hour now. We would want to be mindful of your time, but uh, we can't express enough. We have always loved Gaslight. We've always appreciated what you do there, man. I miss Gaslight. It's been way too long. Uh, can't wait for things to uh, kind of settle down so we can make our way back up there and see you all again. But uh, let let us know, let our listeners know how and, and how we can support Gaslight, how we can uh, um, kind of enjoy whatever it is that Gaslight's offering sure. through these tough times and kind of give us a rundown and we'll 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 take it off from there.
0: Yeah, man. No, uh, we, as far as coming uh, Friday nights are really your safest bet right now with what we're doing on the rooftop show. We plan on expanding those. Easiest thing is just give us, you know, if you give us a follow on Gaslight STL, at Gaslight STL, uh, Facebook, Instagram, we, we keep everybody updated there. Um, but we've got killer hoodies, t shirts. We're always good with <laughs> merch support.
2: <laughs> nice,
0: nice. GaslightSTL.com. Um, you know, that that would help because all I do with that money is, uh, that goes straight through to the engineers and just, you know, keep some groceries coming in their door. Cause obviously there's not one aspect of our industry that hasn't taken a hit, um, or, you know, employed from the cleaners to the cookers, to the engineers. So we just try and keep them moving and, uh, go from there, but just give us follow, support local music and yeah you guys are welcome back anytime we do uh do an on-site you
2: know absolutely yeah I'm looking forward to that man so always good to see you can't wait to uh to see was, you in in the real time again but for now uh gotta love skype and zoom and all the ways that technology can still bring us together yeah thanks again for yeah, hopping right. on with us man
0: yeah no problem tire companies are taking the hit today right
2: <laughs> yeah No don't need them. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Have a good week. See you, man. You too. Take care. All right. And we're out. Thanks again to JB Anderson, and thank you, CEP Listener. Remember that word of mouth is like a nice cold beer to our welcoming gullets, so don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also, on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, you know we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials, when in fact you do give us all of your love on the socials. So be sure to give us your love on the socials and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things to reveal at thecepodcast.com. Dot com, And, of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at Cerebral at TheCEPodcast.com. Don't forget about our official CEP merch at BuyJack.com slash CEP. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brands of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.